Uh, you've been in a great series uh, starting uh, this summer series, am I, am I Doing This Right? And I think it's a great question. And I think you've been asking the question in a variety of ways, and we're going to ask it again tonight in some other ways as well. You know, Andy said that one of the goals of this series is to conform to Christ, to mature in Christ, and to reach others for Christ. And, and I, I just applaud that. I hope you're taking this serious. I hope you realize that God wants to use you uh, in many ways, but before he can use us, he wants us to be like him. And he wants to uh, help us mature and grow up and know what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to know what our privileges are as his kids. And then he'll send us out and use us in ways that uh, you can't imagine. So I want to talk uh, about prayer, but really more importantly, I want to talk more about the role of the Holy Spirit. And now this subject, the, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> scares us to death in some ways. I grew up in church, and so uh, as a kid in church, a long, long time ago, uh, we did have indoor plumbing in those days, but it was a long time ago. So they would, some churches, maybe, it, how many of you grew up in church? Okay, so, okay, all right. How many of you as a kid heard the, the word used, the Holy Ghost? Yeah. I mean, when you hear that there's a Holy Ghost in the room, you just want to head for the doors. You know, like, that just is really weird that we call this a ghost. Now, that's, the, the, if you look at the word ghost, you know, uh, it's been hijacked, and ghost now means something very different than it did uh, when this, this text was written, of course, uh, back in the days of Christ. But the Holy Spirit, and he's this presence, and he guides us, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what all he does for us and how important it is that we understand his role in our life that we, we do have somebody that's, that's for us. And uh, Jesus planned for this, and we have the Holy Spirit because Jesus made room for this and, and said that this was important, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But I don't know about you, but um, you know, I, have, I, I need somebody guiding me. You know, I spend time in prayer, I like to listen to the Lord, I like to know what the, what's God stirring in my heart, what, what is, is this a hunch? Is it based on what God's saying to me? Is it based on my own bias? What is it? So I got to sort of sort through all that to know at any given time what to say to the church and, on, and, and what to talk about. So uh, I'm always looking for that, that guidance. Now there's times, uh, and I, don't want you to leave, I want you to understand, it's, it's not as crystal clear as I wish it always was. You, you kind of have to just sense that well, I, I think I'm being tugged over here and I don't know why it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm gonna go and, and, and see if this is exactly what Jesus has in mind. And typically it is. Sometimes I've, I've misunderstood or I got caught up in my own stuff and, and missed maybe what he wanted to say to me and had to kind of shift gears. Last week I was up in Indianapolis and I, I grew up in Ohio, I went to school in Indiana and I was up there with our group of churches. We were a part of a group of 2,500 churches here in the United States and uh, was sitting around a table talking about some things that might be of benefit to all 2,500 of us. So uh, coming out of Indianapolis, uh, where I went to school, uh, I, was on the, I, I was on the freeway coming from the airport, and uh, I had uh, um, my, my friend on in, in here. She's got a beautiful voice, and she tells me what to do and where to go and when to turn and all that. And I really love this woman that I'll never see, or what, but she's in my phone. And so I, I plugged it in from the airport, and um, so she was doing great things. You know, proceed, you know, proceed here, turn right, take this, all that kind of thing. And it was great. So I'm coming up I, uh, I, uh, 465 and on, on the east side of Indianapolis, and, and there was a sign, and she said, uh, take the state of the right. Stay to the right. There were two lanes that were going to turn off to the right. Stay to the right. So I did. I stayed to the right. And I really wasn't paying attention to the signs. Why should I? My, my girlfriend here that I'll never meet 
was talking to me. And, and the fun thing I like about this woman in here is I can tell her to shut up and she won't get mad at me. She'll just keep telling me, turn to the right, turn to the right, because she can really annoy the fire out of me sometimes. So, so I do this, I follow to the right. Well then, once you kind of follow to the right, there's a fork. And she just said, proceed to the root. Have you ever had that conversation with this woman? Proceed to the root, proceed to the root. Which root? I hadn't paid enough attention to the signs and there, you would think there would be a further sign clarifying that if you go this way, it's I-69. If you go this way, it's Route 32 over into the north side of Indianapolis. But there wasn't a sign. And so since I wasn't paying attention to the signs as I was coming up the freeway, I just let, I let my, my girl here tell me, bear to the right. I did, I stayed to the right. But then beyond the sign, once I'm going to the right, all of a sudden, like from here to the back wall of this room, it forked. And I'm sitting there going, now what? Now what am I supposed to do? And she just said, proceed to the root. Proceed to the root. And I'm just screaming at her, which root? Which way? What, what do I do here? You'd think I'd know this stuff as much as I've been in Indy, but it's growing city, the roads are changing. So it was just so interesting to me because two things were happening. One is it's a, it's a new interchange up in Indy because of all the growth. Secondly, I wasn't paying attention to the signs. I decided I don't need the signs anymore. I've got... Olivia, you know, whatever, whatever her name is. I don't, I don't, so I wasn't paying any attention to the signs. I just kind of thinking and you know, looking around and she'd said, proceed, I'd go to the right. Next in one mile, bear to the right, go to the left. I, I wasn't paying any attention to the signs. And so I come through that, I do, I bear to the right like she said, and then I had no clue what to do. And, and my hunch was, go this way. So I did and it was the wrong way. So I ended up going a few miles down this direction on a freeway until I could exit, turn around, come back, and then hope I could get it right the second time around. In our lives, particularly in our prayer life, there are times you get a voice and it's real clear. You've got, a lot of this comes as you study God's word and as you're in, if you're living in the Bible and you're studying God's word, you, you, God has told us an awful lot right here already. Sometimes I'm, I've, I've caught myself in my, my journey praying to God, Lord, I just need you to speak to me. And, there's, and, and, and then it finally occurs to me, uh, Marty, I already have. It's, it's here. Just go find it. It's already there. And then there's times I say, Lord, speak to me, and, and I need some direction. And sometimes I'll be led here. Sometimes I've just got to really just be patient and, and be ready that he, he may say, I want you to go there or do this or go that way. So there's just these moments in our lives, I think in our spiritual lives, in our walk with Jesus, we're just not sure which way to go. What should we do? What does this look like? All right, so in John chapter 6, or I'm sorry, John 16, Jesus takes care of this problem. He fixes this for us. So let me read John uh, 16. I'll start at verse 5 and, and uh, go to uh, verse 14. So here's, what, here's, here's our version of the iPhone before we had the iPhones, all right, except I don't have to hear this lady scream at me sometimes. Jesus is real clear here. He's going to tell us which way. And so when we want to ask that question, am I doing this right? When it comes to prayer and listening to God, here's the answer. Okay, we'll look at a couple of passages, but we'll start here in John 16. Jesus is talking and he says this, but now I'm going to go away. To the one who sent me, he's going back to the Father in heaven, 
and he's kind of he's kind of going to put a little bit of a, a trip on the disciples here. He says, "But now I'm going to go away to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asking me where I'm going. Not one of the disciples had said, "Where are you going? Why?" Because he says, instead, verse 6 of chapter 16, instead you grieve because of what I've told you. So in other words, they're just all shook up. They're disappointed. They're devastated. You are going away? Why? Why would you leave us? And, you know, there was this, in in those days, if you've read the story that much, you know that a lot of people thought Jesus would be an earthly ruler. They always wanted him to set up his kingdom. Lord, can I be first in your kingdom? Can I sit at your right hand? Can I sit at your left hand? And Jesus was always saying, no, 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 no. My kingdom's not of this world. He kept saying it. My kingdom's not of this world. We're not going to set up shop here. So it's come time. His time has come to return to the Father. He says, so I'm going away now to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, now this is going to just blow their minds. But in fact... It is best for you that I go away. It's best for you. Because if I don't go away, the advocate won't come. Your advocate won't come. Referring to the Holy Spirit, we'll get to that in a minute. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. He's going to convict us about our sin. He's going to talk to us about God's righteousness and of the coming day. There'll be a day we're going to have to give account for the life we've lived. Verse 9. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That's what Jesus is saying. So the world's sin is that we refuse to believe in Jesus. Then he says, righteousness is available because I'm going to the Father and you'll see me no more. He was speaking of the the path he would take to go back to the Father would be through the cross. Would be being nailed to a cross, dying, taking on all the hell in our lives for all time, coming from a grave, from the dead back to life. And he said, so... He says, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, but righteousness is available now because I'm going to the Father and you'll see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Now he says this, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. You, can't, you, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't be able to handle it right now. So I'm, I'm just going to tell you what little I can tell you now, and I'll let the rest of it kind of unfold when it's time. And here's what he says. When the spirit of truth comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, when the spirit of truth comes, what will he do? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard from Jesus, from the Father. He will tell you about the future. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory, Jesus says, by telling you whatever he receives from me. So all that belongs to the Father is mine. So this is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. All right, let's kind of jump into that. We have several choices about who are we going to listen to. 
Whose advice will we take and then act on? And as you well know, we have as much bad advice around us as we do good advice. Everybody's got an opinion about what we should be able to do or do without worry or do without sin or guilt or all those things. Everybody's kind of got an opinion these days. And, and I think what it does is it leads us to what I think are just a, a few ways why, how we try to connect to God. There's a lot of ways we try to connect to God. I think one way is uh, we just, the, the idea of I'm gonna connect to God, the only way I can do it is if I just try a lot harder to connect to God. I'm, I'm just gonna have to try harder. You know, I just gotta be better, I gotta try harder, gotta measure up, you know. And then we figure out that trying harder, it, you know, there's, there is some good that comes out of our effort. All right, let's put it that way. But the life in the spirit will never come to us because of our effort or because we're gonna just try harder. I think another way we, we try to connect with God is to kind of pretend. We pretend that we are good and that we're deserving and all that kind of thing. I think another, you know, I've grown up in church, there's another way that we would grow up trying to connect to God as a high school student. It's just, you're gonna rededicate your life. I got, I don't know how many times I got saved, but I got saved a bunch of times. <laughs> You know, every time we went to youth camp, I went to the altar, you know, and I got, I, it took three baptisms to finally take and work for me. But, you know, we just would keep rededicating our lives. And then sometimes we think, well, I, I've got to connect with God, so it's not working. I'll just change churches and maybe I can connect to God better in another church. And then the worst thing we do sometimes when we have trouble connecting with God, we just give up. God is out there somewhere. I think I believe he exists. I don't get it. I'm, I'm confused, so we just quit. And here, I sort of want you to know, there is a better way. So, got some verses if you wanna follow me. Back in John 14, we'll go back two chapters. Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's gonna give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Greek word here used for Holy Spirit means a couple things. Comforter. This, this Holy Spirit is comforter, counselor, helper. It carries the meaning associated with courts of law and signifies one who is the counsel for our defense. Hopefully, you, know, you all in, at, at your age have not been hauled into court yet by anybody. I, I've never been there either, but I mean... If you've been around a courtroom or you know people that get sued for some reason, you, you want to be sure if you go into court, you've got to have a, a really good lawyer to defend you before the jury or the judge. So this word is kind of carries that, that thought around that word. It's kind of associated with a, a counsel that we have, a counselor who counsels for our defense, who pleads on behalf of us. And in a broader sense, it kind of identifies the one who stands by a person's side or who is ready to aid a soldier in battle. If you've been through a tough time, let's, let's change that. When you've been through tough times, bring to mind right now someone who just stuck with you. And I bet you'll never forget them. A difficult moment in your life and they just stuck with you. They, they stood with you. They were kind of like the Holy Spirit in some ways. They weren't the Holy Spirit, but that's kind of how this is working. 
So the word, this, this word uh, counselor or helper is used again in 1 John chapter 2. John's writing it to encourage people not to sin. But he said, but when you do sin, he says, we have an advocate. It's another word for the Spirit. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who pleases God completely. So when Jesus says in John 14, he'll give you another counselor, this word another means another of the same kind. In essence, he's going to give us, he, and for us, he, he will give us someone who's just like Jesus, who basically is Jesus, we just can't see him. And I know it sounds, if this is all new to you, it sounds bizarre. But it's, it's right here in, in the Bible. It's very clear in the Bible about the work of this Holy Spirit, this advocate, this counselor, this, this spirit of truth. And Jesus says, I'm going to send you someone of the same kind. So it's like Jesus, but we can't see him. And I think one of the most amazing verses in the Bible is when Jesus tells his disciples that he's going away. And he says, it's actually good that I'm going away. It's actually good that I'm going away. I've tried to think back. Did I hear anybody in my life who maybe somebody moved away and I was sad? And, or, or have you ever had a relative that was very near death and they said, you know, it, it is good that I'm going on home to Jesus. And you're sitting there going, no, 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 not yet. So he's saying to these guys, his disciples, I'm going away, and it's best. It's best for you. So consider these guys being in shock now. Okay, so he's leaving, and it's supposed to be a good thing. So let's, let's put, our pla- put ourselves in the places of these guys who are sitting around the circle with Jesus, his, his disciples. Your life's been turned upside down by this guy. You've lost friends and family and jobs for being a follower of Jesus. And boy, the persecution was nowhere near complete yet. What, with what they would later face, if you ever want to read, if, if Jesus was real, read how these guys died after the resurrection. They all, would, they all had seen it, they lived it, and they would not recant their stories. How could they? They had seen it. These guys died horrible deaths just because they said, I can't deny what I've seen and experienced, okay? So their life's been turned upside down already. For three years, you've been captivated by every word this guy says, Jesus. You've lived to hear him teach. You've watched him heal. You've watched him touch somebody who was blind and they could see. You've watched him touch somebody who couldn't walk and say they could walk. You watched somebody that was dead and say they got up. You left everything to follow him, convinced that he held the key to your future or the future of the human race. In other words, you bet the farm on this. And not only does he say he's leaving, he says it's actually best if I go away. And yet you're sitting there thinking, you're leaving? I've got family that may not take me back. I've got jobs that won't rehire me. I've got towns where I won't be welcome. You're leaving? And this is best? You've sacrificed everything? And now you're going away and you're telling me, it's a good thing. In that moment, you want to go, Jesus, you're crazy. 
You know, it's kind of like when your parents, for what, in, in, in the past, you know, if your parents have disciplined you or had to draw a line or a boundary or say, give me your keys, you know, or whatever. In, the, in that old line, they would say, really, it's better for you that I'm going to do this. And we're going, yeah, right. You know, you're cruel. That's what we say. You're cruel. You're mean. And yet sometimes a parent or, or somebody in the, with authority over us will say, it's actually best that I'm going to do something here that's going to cause you a little bit of discomfort. So now we often think, boy, I'd give anything to have lived when Jesus did. It'd be so much clearer if I'd just been there and seen it. To hear his voice, to see his face, to watch him perform the miracles, to listen to him teach. But Jesus is kind of saying here, it's really better to live in this era of the Spirit than to walk on the earth. Jesus is kind of sort of indicating here that we're more fortunate than the disciples were. That we have an advantage over those who actually walked with him. So in the Bible, the image Jesus uses of the Spirit is like a life is a river. The Spirit in our life is like a river. So John 7, verse 37. You want to write that down, I'll, re I'll refer to it. You might want to look at it later. John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant, it says here, the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So Jesus kind of lays it on the line. It's actually best for you that I'm going away. Because if I don't, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, he'll come because I'll send him to you. So as we want to talk through about, you know, listening to God and, and, and really getting the most out of this series, as we think about, am I doing this right when it comes to prayer and letting God really guide my life? Do, you know, you got to kind of answer a few questions. Do you really want God guiding your life? And I think the truth is sometimes we sit in church and we want God to guide our life, but the minute we walk out, we kind of want to take over and do whatever we want to do. And, and that's, that's a fairly common thing with all of us. It sounds so good and I'm emotionally moved and I might go down forward, I might light a candle, I might talk to somebody, I might have somebody pray for me because I've been moved by what I've heard someone talk about out of the Bible. And what is this that happens? We walk out the door and it's like, what happened three hours later? I'm, I'm, I'm fighting the same old temptations and I'm, I'm really gonna just say, ah, it doesn't matter. And we go jump right back into the, the same sewage hole we climbed out of trying to get our life better. And Jesus is saying, I've got something better for you. Here's how you're gonna get this right. I'm gonna give you my spirit. I'm gonna put this spirit in you and your life is gonna change. So let's talk about what, what does, let's get specific now and we'll, we'll kind of get this wrapped up here in a minute. So, the Holy Spirit in prayer. So the Spirit helps us with our weakness. I, I probably should have made a list of all these words, comforter, counselor, you know, but there's all kinds of words. You may wanna be writing them down as we can. So what's the Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit do for us? This presence of Jesus without seeing Jesus in flesh. He helps us in our weakness. Now, here's what, here's what kind of sucks. Now that I've told you that, the next time you feel a real moment of weakness, you're going to have to decide, 
Are we going to let him help us through this? Or are we going to cave? Are we going to give in to our urges and do whatever we want to do? Because now you know there's a way out. He helps us in our weakness. So, for example, we do not really sometimes know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit then, what's he do? He speaks to God for us. Even begs God for us with deep feelings that words can't explain. I've explained it this way before when I've talked about this in church. Have you, uh, it's like a little kid. And we, we, you know, you, uh, you remember those times when, and now you probably have little kids around you and they get to crying, they get upset. Maybe they're tired, maybe they're hungry and they get upset and they do this. <laughs> you know, they, they can't, they, they just can't even talk. You know, they just can't breathe. They can't even articulate what, what's wrong. Right? <laughs> you know, they're just shaking because they can't, they can't get it out, you know. All right. In a similar way as adults, there are moments when we are so frustrated we're so angry with ourselves. We don't know if we're ever going to get this right. We don't know if we're ever going to be able to stop this habit that's absolutely destroying us. And there's times you go to God in prayer and you can kind of get dear God out. And then you don't know what to say. Dear God, I don't even know if you're listening to me anymore. There's times I used to think that when I, I would crawl back to God, I'd go, hey, God, dear God, and I just could almost hear God go, it's you again, which is never God. If you think you've heard that, that's not God. So here is this helper for us, this advocate, this counselor, and there are times we, we don't even know what to say. We don't even know where to start. And it says the Spirit himself will speak to God for us, Maybe the Spirit can discern what's in our hearts. Not maybe, he can discern what's in our hearts and even begs God for us with deep feelings that words can't explain. I bet you, some of you may not have known you had this privilege at your disposal. You have this opportunity right in front of you. So the Spirit himself speaks to God for us. He helps us in our weakness. Here's another one. Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, praying in the Spirit means I'm just simply, when I go to prayer, I'm acknowledging as I begin to pray that I'm not alone in this. Because God put his Spirit in you when you turned your life over to Christ. That's another sermon. But when you turned your life over to Christ, his, everything God has, he gave you the minute you gave your life to Christ. Privileges and opportunities and things you don't even realize you've got unless you're studying God's word and understanding it. And I hope you are. So we're going to pray with the Spirit's power. I don't have to figure out how to pray really good alone. The Spirit's going to help me figure out what to say or, or what not, or not, maybe not to say anything. You know, I, I've said before, the Holy Spirit in, at work in our lives. Here's what's cool about this. This hit me one Sunday a couple of years ago. You know what makes our worship so powerful? Now, there's a couple of things. One is you've got to have incredible, humble worship leadership, and we do. They don't draw attention to themselves. 
They're trying to get themselves out of the view and get you aimed at and, and focused on Jesus. And I, I believe that's true in all the rooms in this place. Whether it's here in the venue, the chapel, the sanctuary, out in Edmond. We, we have, we're, we're blessed with humble worship leaders that don't want the attention on them. They want, they want the attention to be, your focus to be on Jesus. But what's so amazing about that is, Every Sunday when I'm in church, I worship every week, okay? I take a few weeks off through the year. But what makes it so magical is I'm standing in a room with a few thousand other people who also have the Spirit in them. And that's what sometimes makes it seem so amazing. And that, it finally dawned on me somewhere in my journey with Christ how much the body of Christ, how important it was to be with the body of Christ, to gather with people, and we all had something in common. We all had his spirit at work in our lives. And that's what made our worship so rich. That's what made our relationships so special. Doesn't mean we're perfect relationships. Doesn't mean we're perfect people. But I think there's something pretty powerful that happens when you get a room full of people all coming out of their, their walk with Jesus and the spirit kind of interceding as we worship a God in our own language, with our own song, our own words. And, and you know, if you've ever been on a mission trip, what's really cool, you really feel that. Because I remember when we went to, I've been in Peru, or I've been over in the Netherlands where they speak Dutch. And, and you walk in these places, and they're singing the exact same songs we sing in a language I don't understand. And yet, in that moment, there's no language barrier. Part of it is, I know the song, but a lot of it is, I'm singing this song with all these people. We're having this meaningful moment because the Spirit's at work in all of our lives and we're, we're all one in that moment. That's the power. That's a side note. That's a, I think that's a power of worship. Okay, so let's, let's dig in here a little more. Who is, the, who is this Holy Spirit? He's God the Father, God around us, and he creates. That's the first thing he is. He is God. This is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, so you've got, the, you've got the Father who is around us because he creates all that is. You have the Son, Jesus, God with us in the flesh who saves. And then we have the Spirit, Holy Spirit, God in us. He transforms. And it says in John 14, you know him because he lives in you and he'll be with you. You know him because he lives in you and he'll be with you. And this is also a good moment to point out that having only an intellectual understanding of God or just, an, you know, you can know this book inside out, backward and forward, but knowledge alone won't get you anywhere. It's very different when you allow this book through the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and just sort of penetrate your life and change your heart and change your thinking and change your mind. And you put the mind of God with the spirit of God, you've got a powerful combination to live as Jesus calls us to live. And that's how you know you're starting to get things right. Look at this. For God is working in you. What is he doing? Giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. So you may have thought you just have to try harder and you'd have to come up with your, in your own way to figure out how to desire to obey him or have the power to please him. You've got the spirit, the advocate, the counselor. He's working in us, giving us the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. 
All right, so that's who he is. How do we get him? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I mean, Jesus says, I'm going to send him to you. That's what he did at Pentecost. In the first couple of chapters of Acts, you can read about it. That's when he sent his spirit. He did exactly what he said he would do. John 7, make a note of this, says, Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him would receive later. And they received it as we have. So this is who he is. This is how we get him. And then what does he do? He's our advocate. That's the word that we, we see a lot, particularly in the New Living Translation. He's our advocate. What's that mean? He's one sent to help us. He's, he's for you. In other words, an advocate is for you. He's your counselor, your encourager, your comforter. It says the Spirit helps us with our weakness. Because you know as well as I do, in our, weak, in our moments of weakness, it's hard to withstand it's hard to win in those moments. We have somebody that's helping us in our weakness. He's there to help us get through it. I'm not saying it'll be easy, but he's there to help us get through it. So that's what, what, is, what does he do? He's our advocate. Secondly, he brings the best out of us. Look at this. When the Holy Spirit come, controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. You probably have all heard this before if you've been anywhere near a church. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, if the Spirit is at work in your life, this kind of stuff will be going on in your life. Does that mean every day you're going to be patient? No. Does this mean you're always going to feel like being kind? No. What's another one? I'm giving too much away about myself here. Um, does it mean I'm always going to feel at peace? But, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, when you, give, when you yield to Jesus and let Jesus be the center of your life and he puts his spirit in you, he's gonna, he's gonna help you become a person of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's, there's something I've got going for me a little bit in this, uh, it's a little bit of age. You get a little bit of age under your belt and you, you get to a season of life where you've seen enough and you've heard enough and you've been through enough that you begin to see, wow, this is true. A little bit of age on you will help you kind of decide, you know, all that striving I was doing, it's not worth it. And all that, all that hateful feelings I might have had towards somebody else, it's not worth it. And giving in to every urge I might have, it's not worth it. So the Spirit will give us We'll love better. We'll be happier people. We'll be more at peace. We can be more patient, more kind, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, don't let that throw you because at any given moment, one of these are going to be an area of weakness for us. And we'll go back and, and just help the Spirit, hope the Spirit will help us in that weakness. But he does bring the best out of us. That's what it's, another thing he does. He convicts and guides us. Again, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. That's what the Holy Spirit did the moment he came at Pentecost and has continued to do that now until Jesus comes again. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's what he does. Remember this. The spirit convicts, all right? It's not my job to convict you. It's not Josh's job to convict you. The spirit will convict you 
of, of whatever's going on in your life that needs to be dealt with. That's what the Spirit will do. I've been put on a lot of guilt trips through my life by a preacher or somebody like that, they, and they meant well. But they painted a picture that made me feel at times so hopeless that I would never be good enough to aspire to be what they were claiming I was supposed to be. And it was a part, it was a part of the truth that was true, but it wasn't the whole picture. And the Holy Spirit brings us to me, the whole, the whole picture. So be careful how you live, not as fools. <laughs> I don't know if, I'll speak for me and the guys, we know what this is. <laughs> not as fools, but as those who are wise. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. You wanna get this right? Then be careful how you live. Don't act thoughtlessly. Try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Look at this. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you. Now, there's a big old debate that goes on in the church, not so much anymore these days, I think. You can't build a biblical case to not drink a glass of wine. If, if, if the wine of the Bible times was different than our wine, then, then they wouldn't be, all these warnings, do not get drunk with wine <laughs> because you could get drunk on their wine in the Bible, all right? You can't build a case against it. I, don't, I would say you gotta be careful because a lot of people have trouble with alcohol. Stay away from it. If you've got friends that have trouble with alcohol, don't have it when they're around. Out of courtesy and kindness to someone who might struggle with it. Whatever the issue is for you. Some people have trouble with alcohol. Some people have trouble with pornography. Some people have trouble with money. There's all kinds of things out there that we can find to destroy our lives. But here's what, here's what the Bible's telling us. Let, let's not be drunk with all that other stuff. In this case, he's talking about wine. Because all that stuff that we get drunk with, whether it's ego or money or, 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 or sex, whatever it is, it will ruin your life. But if you want to get this right, let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you. In other words, let's not be filled with anything that takes the place of God's Spirit or numbs us to the Holy Spirit's work and what he wants to do in our life. Let's not let temporary things control us or fill us. And, and believe me, we live our lives for so many things. Just what, what is our flavor of the month? And the Bible's reminding us that living for these things is foolish. That whatever you fill yourself with will determine how you live. And whatever you fill yourself with determines the path your life takes. You rely on money, you're going to get what money can buy. Have fun. Rely on education, you'll get what education can do. It's all good. Rely on your personality and you'll get what a personality will get you. You rely on the Holy Spirit and you get everything God has for you. And the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So I'll go back to the statement that I've said before. Sometimes our prayer needs to be, Lord, I want to trust you more. I need some more want to. I think it's okay to go to God and pray and say, God, everything in me right now wants to make a choice that I know is gonna mess me up. Everything in me right now is wanting to make a choice that I know has no future. Everything in me right now, Lord, I, I know I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to do something, think something, go somewhere, whatever, that I know I'll regret. 
So Lord, I need to want, I need your spirit to help me resist this. I want, I want all you've got to get me through this. So we'll wrap it up. My counsel is this, live freely. Look at the freedom that comes in the spirit. A lot of freedom in the Holy Spirit. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Choose to be led by the spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence. A lot of years ago, golly, 25 years ago, I bet, somebody gave me this. I, I guess I quoted it in a sermon and then somebody decided to put it on a piece of marble. I just realized it's, that it's a quote by Marty Grubbs. So anyway, but it was the guy, my friend of mine named John who did this, had a bunch of these made up. And it's been on my desk for the last 25 years. Truth always wins. It's, it's true. I've tried a few other approaches, <laughs> didn't work. Truth always wins. It sits on my desk right in, the, right in the middle there. It's been there, and it'll be there until I move out of my office someday or I'll go put it on another table close by. Truth always wins. So here's what I, here's what I want you to know. Am I getting this right? I tell you what, let the spirit guide you. Let God's presence and his spirit that stirs your thoughts and stirs your minds and stirs your hearts. Let the spirit guide you. Let his truth be in you. And then always remember, truth will always win. His truth will always win. Choose to be led by the spirit and escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence. Okay. Thanks so much for bearing with me on this and uh, taking a longer than I meant to. But I get really excited and wrapped up on this because this is so critical. If I could do anything for you in your future and to help you face the stuff you've got to face. And let me, t- let me just add this. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine living in this culture at your age. I just, I was a train wreck without all the opportunities we have these days. I can't imagine. I realize that what I've just said to you is not easy. I've realized that. But I will tell you this, it's worth it. So we're gonna take our 120 seconds. I want you to just either bow your heads or be quiet, sit still for a minute, and, and just maybe ask God, God, what do you want me to know? Speak to me. What, what would God say to you tonight? What's the one thing that he's got just for you and not everybody else in the room? So I'm gonna just trust you'll take that time to do that and let's take our 120 seconds. Here we go.